This morning, I have the pleasure of introducing our preacher, uh, Kevin Steger. He's been a part of Scarlet City Church here for the past year. Uh, He's also a seminary grad, has his doctorate from Southwestern Seminary, and he's pastored for over 32 years in the state of Texas. Any Texans in the house or... Okay, one or two. You'll have to, for, he's wearing a, a Cowboys shirt today, so we'll have to forgive his sins. Um, but he's also been a teacher uh, in the classroom setting, in the seminary setting as well for the past 30 years. He also runs Light Over Europe Ministries, whose mission is to spread the gospel all across Europe. And more than all of those things, he's also become a very close friend of mine and mentor, uh, and I'm excited to hear from him this morning. So if you would all welcome, please, Kevin Steger. Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning, to have an opportunity to speak with you. It is not my desire to speak to you. It is my desire to speak with you. We're in this thing together. So just to tell you a little bit about myself, you heard some of that other stuff. That's all great. But what really matters to me is my family. Uh, I am married, have been married since I was, I don't know, 13? No, it was 19. Uh, It was 19. Um, I do have, um, Elizabeth and I have two children that we like. We like them okay. We have three grandchildren that we dearly love. Uh, If there are any grandparents in the house, you know exactly what I am talking about. My family has been a refuge for me. Over the years, my family has been a source of encouragement. My family has been a source of incredible pain as well. I assume some of you know what I mean by that. I would be lying to you if I said that if you just keep God first in your life, that everything in your family is just going to be perfect. No troubles, no worries. It's just going to be perfect you know that that's not true. Reality is that we struggle in relationships. Relationships are fraught with with struggle. And ultimately, I believe that it is through that struggle that our relationships become richer, more real. They become heart matters instead of just responsibilities. So the very best part of me is my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. She's right there. You all, everybody turn and look at her and embarrass her. Elizabeth, raise your hands or something so they see you very good. Uh, She loves to tell the story that we met when we were 12 years old in the sixth grade. And do you know the really incredible part is we've pretty much been together ever since. Like I said, we got married when we were 19. Um, We've been married for 30, how many years? Four years. 34 years. I'm not old enough for that. I'm just not, but it is the case. So if Elizabeth tells the story about how we met and why she was, excuse me, somewhat interested in me, she likes to point out That in those days, I was a bad boy. There he is. 
So when you think about me having been a bad boy, go ahead and conjure up images of Chuck Norris in your mind because that's fairly accurate as to uh, the kind of a guy that I was as a kid. The truth is I had a mean streak about this wide going down my back. I didn't take anything off of any body. And so I did sort of have this reputation as being a kind of a bad boy. The fact is, I was a bad kid. It's just how it was. Not really bad, just mean. I took joy in arguing with my teachers. Anybody else do that? Oh, come on. I know there's some of you, absolutely. Took joy in arguing with my teachers. Took joy in the daily fights that I had with the mean kid across the street. Uh, you know, that was just my nature. I was anything but a peacemaker. Today we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 as we continue on in our study of the Beatitudes. This is the very beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the most important sermon he would ever preach. So much so that to this day we still find ourselves just enraptured by the messages that are included in the Sermon on the Mount. I love the fact that Jay pointed out early on that the word blessed is sort of an old school word and it may not really carry the meaning that Jesus intended. And so we have been talking about flourishing, have we not? Isn't that right? You remember that word for the past few weeks? Flourishing are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Children. Today, when we think about children, we think about fathers, don't we? It's a big day for us fathers. As a matter of fact, I want to take just a moment. If you're a father in the house, stand up for a second. We want to recognize you and thank God for you. Absolutely. All of you fathers. Fantastic. You know, I had, a, uh, I had an amazing father. My, my dad was uh, this... Uh, Green Beret in the, in the army. He was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Uh, he was just this incredible dude. Somebody I could really look up to and want to be like him. I kind of wonder if that's where the meanness came from. It may have been a little bit. Not all of us have had great examples of fathers in our lives. So I also want to point out to you that we have a heavenly father, yes? And our heavenly father is the most important father in your life, frankly, whether you recognize him or not. Because it is through him that life itself is sustained and continues from one day to the next. So I want you to think a little bit more about this idea of peacemaking with me. As a father, one of our roles is to seek peace, is to try to create an environment for our family that is peaceful, one in which you can rest. As I said earlier, one in which you can take refuge, you feel safe in your family. 
That's one of our roles as the father in our family. That doesn't always happen. I mentioned to you earlier that we have two children. Elizabeth and I have had difficult days as we have raised our two children. I want to tell you just briefly a a story. And in this story, I suspect you will be reminded of experiences in your own life, perhaps as a parent or as a child yourself. I remember a day when we decided it was time for a change in our lives, and so we made a significant move. It may not sound like much to you if you're not from Texas, but we moved from South Fort Worth to North Dallas. Now, I know that, you know, you're thinking, wait a minute, Dallas-Fort Worth, their neighboring cities, not a big deal, Kevin, move on. No, it was a huge deal. The difference in culture from South Fort Worth to North Dallas, it's hard to explain how different they were. And my daughter was entering either, I think it was her junior year in high school, or maybe her sophomore year in high school, Going to a new high school, that sucks, right? Man, you know, moving your high school kid from, from their uh, school system that they've been a part of since they were in kindergarten, and now all of a sudden they have a new school they have to go to, it was tough. And my daughter struggled. I remember one afternoon, I, I love to spend time in the kitchen, and so I was... I was in there, by the way, that's cooking, not cleaning. So I'm spending time in the kitchen preparing a meal. And my daughter comes in and we begin to have a discussion and it quickly becomes um, more than a discussion. And at that point in time, the truth is the things that my daughter was doing, the things that my daughter had chosen to invest herself in were ripping me apart. I was physically sick. And I remember telling her that. I remember saying, do you not recognize what you're doing to me? How sick you are making me? And she looked at me in my eyes and she said, Dad, I wish I could tell you everything that I've done so that you would be even more disgusted. Broke my heart. Tears. Anger. Deep sadness. You know, when they do father classes, they don't tell you about those times. That's not what they use in their brochure to say, hey, come to our parenting class. But all too often, this kind of an experience happens as we parent our children. 
I can't say that we were doing everything right. I'm sure that we weren't. But I can tell you we were doing the very best we could to follow what we believed was God's plan for our lives. Never does Jesus say that if you will obediently follow me, everything's just going to work out swimmingly. He does not promise that. And it is wrong for us to assume that that's how it's going to be when we start following Jesus. There will still be troubles. It will still hurt at times. And you will still get incredibly frustrated. But he never leaves us. He is faithful to the nth degree. Now there is good news to this story that I'll come back to in a few moments. So I want us to think about this passage again. Blessed are the peacemakers. Flourishing are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Peace. That's a word that is bandied about a lot these days. Everybody is seeking peace. I've got a few pictures here that I want to work through with you and uh, let's see if we can't figure out exactly what the word peace means. I think for a lot of our culture, it comes down to uh, that state of peace or tranquility that we can create for ourselves. Some of us choose to do that through some sort of meditative practice. Go to the next page, the next picture. This is important for me. Any of you have the Calm app on your phone? A few of you know what that is. I love that thing. Uh, you turn it on and there's this uh, female voice that's very comforting, very soothing, very soft. Tells a sweet little story. And you just <sighs> calm. You find a tranquil place. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Go to the next picture. Oh yes, yoga. <laughs> you know, I... I am not a practitioner of yoga. This might not surprise you uh, based on what you see before you. Uh, yoga positions is not a part of my regular routine. But many of you, for you, it is. And yoga brings to you a place of peace, a place of tranquility. That's great. Good for you. Doesn't work for me. Not going to do it, frankly. Now, go to the next picture. Uh, I like this one. To me, this picture gets a little closer to the meaning that we find in this passage in Matthew. This picture, this symbol, is really a symbol of what I think is best described as racial reconciliation. The fact that within certain racial relationships, there stands barriers. There are barriers that keep us from relating to that person because we may not share the same race. And the idea here is Jesus says, you need to seek peace. Peace, which means reconciliation. That is what Jesus means in this passage. You do what you need to do to be reconciled to people in your life. 
There's one more picture that I have here. Uh, you heard just a minute ago that I lead a ministry called Light Over Europe Ministries. And uh, it's a pretty incredible story how that all came about. I won't get into it that much right now. Um, but it started by my travels to Germany. And I absolutely love the German people. I have a great relationship with many Germans. And you know, in 1989, East Germany and West Germany reunified. They became reconciled as a nation. What a great story. So what I want us to think about today is, what are you doing to pursue reconciliation in your life? Because I promise you there are relationships in your life that are broken. I know this. You may not want to admit it. You may not like to think about it. But there are relationships in your life that need reconciliation. I waited for a long, long time for my daughter to reach out to me for reconciliation. I can tell you if I decided to stick with that strategy, I'd still be waiting. I can't tell you how long it took for her to show us some gratitude for the things that we did to keep her out of jail. To help her out when she had no way to make ends meet. Not that we did it for thanks. We did it because we believed we were supposed to do it. I think I'd still be waiting for that thank you. But we pursued our daughter. We faithfully pursued her with reconciliation in mind. Desiring that we would have a complete relationship again. She said thank you, by the way. That came about. She says thank you to us almost every time she talks to us now. Almost. The other incredible thing that happened is I sort of got to relive fatherhood because after our children were out of the house, guess who moved in? One of our granddaughters. And she's lived with us her entire life. Many of you know her already. Her name is Lily. She's the cute little towhead that runs around here with us on Sundays. Now, we have a big deal coming up in our lives. It's not going to be easy. Lily is going to move back in with her mother. She's going to go to Denver, Colorado and be with her mom. That's going to be hard. Lily's been with us her entire life for the most part. But I welcome it. I welcome it because I think Ashley is ready. Our relationship has been reconciled to the point that just the other day, I felt led to just send her a little love note via text. And I said, I just said, hey, beautiful girl, I want you to know I love you. And she sent me back a note that said, oh, dad, I love you too. Some of you are thinking, okay, big deal. No, huge deal. Huge deal. Reconciliation. 
Matthew, the author of this gospel, is a Jew. Important to note because that shapes the way he tells the story of Jesus. He likes to tell the story of Jesus in a way that demonstrates that Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament, law and prophets. And so he shares lots of prophecies that have been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And you see that clearly as you read the Gospel of Matthew. As a matter of fact, at one point, a little bit further on in chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus actually says, listen folks, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets. Instead, I've come to fulfill them. It is in the person of Jesus that the entire law and the prophets, the entire um, 37 books of the Old Testament are written. The entire reason is to point us to Jesus. He is the fulfillment. He also goes on to say, by the way, don't throw away the law and the prophets. No, no, no. Uh, We're still held accountable to those things, and we will be until there's a new heaven and a new earth. So you keep paying attention to the Old Testament. It's important for us as we become disciples, as we become followers of God in our lives. So Jesus, when he is speaking, when he is teaching in this Sermon on the Mount, he's really got two groups within the audience to which he is speaking, to whom he is speaking. Number one, he has those who are already committed, those who are in. They have have signed up, right? They are the followers of Jesus. His disciples, certainly, but also another hundred or so people that we don't necessarily know their names, but we know they were there. They were committed to who Jesus claimed to be, who he was, the very son of God, God incarnate. They were in. They didn't understand everything, but they were in. Then there's another part of the group that he was speaking to, and this is the masses. We're told that there were hundreds of people that were listening to him. And many of these people were there simply to consider what it was that Jesus was saying. Is it possible that he really is the promised Messiah? Well, they thought the best way for me to find out is to listen to his teaching. And so they were there. And so Jesus is speaking to both groups. I have two slides that I want to work with you through. The first one is what Jesus says to his disciples. The first thing, when you seek reconciliation in your life, it is then that you are flourishing. It is then that you will be blessed as you seek reconciliation. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we must be about bringing people together, not separating them. We must be about reconciliation. It is part of our calling as a follower of Jesus. And we will be blessed when we're doing that. The second thing, as an heir of Christ, you will bring reconciliation. Remember the second part of that verse. It says that those of you who are doing this, those of you who are bringing reconciliation, seeking peace between people, you will be called children of God. I would venture to say that 
In no other time in your life are you more like God when you're seeking to bring people together. That is at the very heart of who God is. That is at the very heart of what Jesus did on the cross for you, for me, for all mankind. To reconcile us back to God. That's why the crucifixion was necessary. Then he spoke to the masses, to the larger groups around him. And he says, God is ready. He stands ready to be reconciled to you. Do you know God has already done everything necessary for you to have a full relationship with him? He has done it all. All that's required of you is to receive it. To recognize him in your life. Confess your sin to him. And tell him that you want to be reconciled to him. My friends, he's already done the work of salvation. It's been done. It's for you now to receive it. The other thing that he says to the crowds is, when you become reconciled to God, you are now adopted as his own child. No longer are you an orphan, but you have been adopted by the creator, God the Father, no more do you have to wonder where you fit. You are His. So as we think about the role of Father today on Father's Day, to me there's nothing more appropriate than to think about the role of being the one who brings reconciliation. So dads, be encouraged with that today. That's your job. Keep peace in your family. But to all of you here, I also want to tell you that I know that there are broken relationships in your lives. I know this. Not because God has given me some divine piece of information or divine knowledge. No, it's reality. We all have broken relationships in our lives. Stop waiting for the other person to make a movement toward you. You're going to wait a long stinking time. You step out. Do something about it. Seek reconciliation with people in your life. And that goes for your relationship with the Lord too. As a church, you know that we celebrate communion together. And we're going to do that shortly. But I want to share with you something else we're going to do during communion that's a little bit different. We're going to have people stationed in the four corners of this building who are there purely for the purpose of supporting you in prayer. If you feel like it's time to step out and begin making reconciliation, efforts toward reconciliation with people in your life, I want you to search out these folks. As you step out to take communion, perhaps after you take communion, you can stop and pray with one of these folks. 
Let them encourage you. Let them pray for you as you seek to begin those steps toward bringing that relationship back to its whole self. Also, perhaps you need to have someone pray for you that you could begin taking steps toward God. That you recognize today as we speak about peace and reconciliation that you need to be reconciled to him. Just let us pray for you. You know, communion is all about that reconciliation. Taking a time to commune ourselves with God as we take the bread and the cup. These symbols, these important symbols of the body and blood of Jesus that was broken for you. Remember, he's done everything necessary for you to be reconciled to him. You just need to step toward him. Just receive it and step toward him. And he will embrace you. And he will be your heavenly father. As I close, I want to remind you of this passage just one more time. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so grateful for every single person in this room today. I recognize that you have brought them here. It is because of you. It is because of your divine plan. It is because of your providence that they are here. I believe that with all my heart. It's not by accident that we're all in this room together today. And Father, I pray that you would move in the hearts of each of us. Or better yet, I pray that we would all recognize your movement in our hearts because you're there always, no matter what drawing us to yourself. Help us to take those steps toward you. Help us, Father, to be brave and to have the courage necessary to step toward people in our lives with whom we have a broken relationship. There may even be people in this room right now who have a broken relationship with someone who's on the other side of the room. Lord, maybe it's the day that you would encourage them to make that relationship right. Give us all the freedom to move about in this time of communion in ways that bring you honor and glory. We give it all to you, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.